0: Chapter number twelve. We continue this thought of allowing the altar to alter you, and uh, I guess this is the fourth message that I've preached on it. And this may be the last. This may be the last one. I don't know, but uh, this one will try to mind the Lord going forward. But I've enjoyed thinking on the, the altar, studying the different places that we see the altar different uses for it, and uh, thinking a little bit about not neglecting it. Last week we talked about the neglect of the altar. Certainly I believe that uh, our nation is proof of what happens when a church world neglects its altars. And I meant to mention this last week, but I didn't get it mentioned, so I'd mention it tonight. In your modern churches, they've done away with the altars. It's not even an altar anymore. Uh, You go to most of your modern churches, they have a stage, not a platform. I never have liked this to be called the stage. kind of uh, implies uh, a performance but they have a stage, not a a platform, and they they don't have any altar area. Uh, You know, we've got this step that runs here, and of course this uh, rock altar area, but a lot of the old time churches had mourner's benches. And I, I like that term, that mourner's bench. But, On the other hand, that kind of implies that the altar is just for the mourner. I'm glad the altar, as we've already learned, is also for the worshiper. (laughs) Amen. I want to read one verse of scripture here out of John 12. I'm not going to preach very long. Uh, We got up, we left uh, Monday night, went out to the hospital up all night. I did go to the truck and get a little sleep. And then uh, baby's born up all day and back out there today. And so uh, I was trying to get all my thoughts together for the night because I wanted to preach. And, uh, but I may not preach long I don't know. Have I told you about my grandson? Did I mention about that? He's, uh, he's all right, I tell you what. And uh, let's read one verse right here in verse 32. John 12, verse 32. For me, verse, the Bible said, if I, of course, Christ speaking, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name that you would help us tonight to lift you up. I pray tonight, God, that you'd help us to preach, Lord, as a dying man to dying men. I pray that you'd do a work in our midst as only you can. I pray, God, that you'd help us to see you tonight and nothing else. Lord, if they see me, I've failed. Lord, if all they hear is my voice, I'm a failure. But, Lord, if they'd see and hear you, uh, it would be a blessing tonight. Do that now as only you can. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, While it's on my mind, I keep... uh, Keep things coming to my mind. Uh, this week is Shareathon at WKJV thirteen eighty on your AM dial, and I'll be preaching in Shareathon Friday at one pm. So if you listen to Shareathon, I'm, it's also available online several different ways, and I'll be preaching out there at one if you don't listen on uh, on Friday. All right, uh, here in uh, John chapter number twelve, the Lord says, five be lifted up." draw all men unto me, speaking, of course, as we all know, of the ultimate altar, and uh, that is Calvary. So as I want to deal with tonight, I want to deal a little bit with how that the altar speaks of the Lord. We've looked at several different aspects of the altar, uh, and I told you that over 300 times in the Bible, the word altar is mentioned. But I'm going to tell you that every altar, from Noah's altar in Genesis 8, all the way through the altars that were built by the patriarchs all through the book of Genesis, the altar that we looked at in the book of Exodus, the altars that were built during the time of the prophets and the judges, every one of those altars spoke of one person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe with me tonight that this book, every bit of it, Genesis to Revelation, is about him? We cannot miss that point. It's all about the Lord. And so when the, we see the altars of the Old Testament, they all point toward Christ. And here Jesus in John 12 is talking about the ultimate fulfillment of all of that. And that would be the ultimate sacrifice that would happen yonder at the cross of Calvary. Paul said that he gloried not in anything save the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You ever thought about that? I was listening to a preacher today and he's preaching on that and I thought that was interesting. He said, you know, that when it comes to the cross you could think that maybe... Paul would say that he gloried in the birth of Christ, the miraculous birth of Christ, or that he gloried in the incarnate life of Christ, or that he gloried in the the resurrection. And yet Paul said that his glory was in the cross of Christ, that great sacrifice, that ultimate altar. That's what I want to talk to you about just a little bit tonight. I'm just gonna give you two or three things the Lord lays on our heart, and then uh, we'll be done for this evening. But I want us to see Jesus for a few minutes. You know, when we come to church, a lot of times we wonder we worry too much about seeing one another. And we worry too much about seeing the latest news. I love the fellowship. But if we come to church on Wednesday night and fail to see the Lord, we've really missed the point. We've missed the point. Because we come to see Him. Can I say tonight that this altar that we're speaking of here, it speaks of a sacrifice. That altar was an altar. Remember I dealt in Romans 12 of presenting our bodies a living sacrifice and how that we can sacrifice on the altar. Well... The ultimate job of the altar was to hold up the sacrifice. Uh, We can go all the way back into the tabernacle and look at the brazen altar and I can tell you about the horns that were on that altar. Everything about that altar was designed to hold up a sacrifice. Now, lest you should forget, the Lord is the sacrifice. Now, In the Old Testament, there's five sacrifices. There's five sacrifices that God laid out and those five sacrifices are divided into two categories. The sweet-smelling savor sacrifices and then the non-sweet-smelling savor. The sweet-savor sacrifices were the burnt offering, the meal offering, and then also the peace offering. They were representative and I... Preached through this maybe last year sometime, how that, those offerings, those sweet-smelling, savor offerings were representative of the offerer bringing a perfect something, perfect to God, his very best, and offering it on the altar, just giving it to God, and the smoke rising up, and God would smell that, and he'd say, boy, that's a sweet smell. But none of those offerings had anything to do with sin. Now we'll look at a couple that did deal with sin, but those three sweet savor offerings, they had nothing to do with sin. Now when we think about the offering of Christ, all that we really think about is the offering that he made for sin. But can I submit to you that he lived a life that was an offering. Not only was his death an offering, but his life was an offering. Uh, The Bible said in Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And so Paul said that Jesus offered himself as a sweet-smelling savor. Uh, But as we'll see here in a minute, all of the sin offerings were reproached to God. They were a stench in the nostrils of God. Uh, As a matter of fact, the sin offerings had to be made without the camp. They couldn't be made uh, within the camp because they were so repulsive to a holy God. So when Paul said that Jesus offered himself a sweet-smelling savor, he's not talking about Calvary. He's talking about the life Jesus lived in that he fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law, uh, in that he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. That was the life of Christ. And he offered it to God, a sweet-smelling savor. His entire life was an offering. You say, well, preacher, you'd already preached on that. A few months ago, you preached on that. I know, I like it. So I'm preaching on it again. You know why? Because I really like it. He lived his whole life as an offering for us his life was perfect so my life don't have to be he fulfilled the law because he knew i couldn't you see without that perfect sinless life it doesn't matter what he did at the cross lots of people died on crosses thousands the romans crucified thousands of people none of their deaths mattered you know why because their lives were not sinless They were sinners. They were just like you and me. Uh, That that sacrifice was no good. But this man, speaking of Christ, he lived a perfect life. Uh, He lived a sinless life. And because of the life he lived, uh, my friend, his sacrifice mattered. He shed the very blood of God, sinless, holy blood. It was the life that he had lived that was a sweet-smelling savor to God. And then, of course, there was the non-sweet savor offerings. And that was the sin and the trespass offering. As I've already said, sin, the sin offering was such a reproach to God that it had to be offered without the camp. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Can I take time out just a minute and say, Thank God I'm glad my sins are gone. Just like we sung tonight, they're gone. Why? Because he was made to be my sin. How many, how many of my sins? How many? Well, yeah. Now, if you're an Ar- uh, Armenian view of uh, free will Baptist, you believe that he only became son of, some of them. But he became all of them. It made me to be sin, and it made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. I say, thank God. But that sacrifice had to be made without the camp. Boy, your Bible's beautiful, isn't it? Hebrews 13, 11, For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go go therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. And so, when I'm dealing with the sacrifice, there is the sacrifice of his perfect life. But we can all agree there is the sacrifice of Calvary that he suffered without the gate, that he became our sin, that he settled the sin problem, thank God. And when I got saved that day, uh, he justified me by his grace. Uh, he made me just as though I never was a sinner to begin with. Uh, how much of my how many of my sins did he pay for? He paid for them all. All of them. Either he paid for them all or it's all a waste. Either it's it's all or nothing. A young girl, her mama asked her and said, Sweetheart, are you afraid to die? She said, No, I'm trusting in the justice of God. She said, No, dear. You mean the mercy of God. She said, no, the justice of God. She said, how come you say the justice of God? The little girl said, well, God laid my sin and the punishment for my sin on Christ. And he paid the, he paid the price for my sin. And he said, she said, the justice of God would not allow Jesus to pay for it and me to pay for it too. <laughs> So she said, I'm trusting in a just God that will not punish us twice. (laughs) Oh my. And so there is the altar of sacrifice. But then there is also the altar of redemption. Look what the Bible said in Hebrews 9, 12. I'm, I'm just giving you a few little thoughts here. Hebrews 9, 12, the Bible said, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now here in this verse, there's the emphasis on the uh, high priesthood office of Christ. Look, uh, let me give point out just a few words here to you. First, look at that word "obtained." You see that word "obtained." Uh, I looked; all this comes right up, straight out of the Strong's. Uh, here's what it said: "Obtain" means to search until found, to find a thing that was sought after. And so we're finding out that in his high priestly work. Jesus was looking for something for me and you. And he searched till he found it. He searched till he got it. (laughs) Now, watch this that word redemption, it means to purchase back, especially from the penalty of sin. (laughs) Oh, my, I like that. That's a good Bible word, isn't it? I, I just love preaching the Bible. If you just preach a Bible, boy, I tell you, things go to business pick up pretty quick. And then, oh boy, redemption to uh, free us from the penalty of sin, and for who? For us, but really, what I want to point out to you: look at that word right before the word redemption—eternal. Hey, man, not temporary. Thank God. Not not conditional, but eternal. what does that word mean? let me let me read it to you right out of the Strong's dictionary. It means without beginning or end uh, that which is uh, that, that which has been and always will be uh, without end, uh, never to cease. Uh, I don't know about you, but that sounds all right to me. <laughs> I'm just, hey, I'm just glad I got, I didn't, when I got in on this thing, I got in on something that was everlasting to everlasting, thank God eternal. I'm just an old country boy but even I can understand that it's as plain as the nose on your face. The penalty of sin has been taken care of and Jesus obtained that for us by making himself the ultimate altar and the altar of redemption has taken care of the sin problem for us forever and ever. For eternity. For eternity. So there is the altar of redemption. Let me give you one more. 1 Peter 2 5. 1 Peter 2 5. We've been knowing for a little while that this projector was about to give up the ghost. Been flashing red for a while. I guess, would it not turn on tonight? It was on and it went back off. Oh, we're going to have to put somebody on that crazy ladder because we've got a bulb for it. But, uh, Josh. Bobby did it last time. Maybe you, maybe you this time. Josh has no fear. Let me, give you, hey, let me give you one last. Let me talk about, remember I told you how the altar was placed? Watch this. 1 Peter 2, 5. That's interesting. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. I never really had studied this verse till last night. I read it a thousand times, but never really had thought about it. You talk about a beautiful description of the church. So here's what that verse says. That verse says, God, the way God built the church was with some lively stones. And those lively stones, according to that verse, are me and you. Ye also are as lively stones. Ye also as lively stones. Now it didn't say you also as boring stones. He <laughs> didn't say you also as dead stones. Ye also as sleepy stones, but lively stones. <laughs> so that, that has an atmosphere of praise and worship, right? It's got an ideal with that. So you and I are a part of this spiritual house. Look what it says. As lively stones are built up, a spiritual house. Well, that's the church. I'm glad to thank God to be a part of something spiritual, aren't you? And so, I, and so I just want to, hey, I just want to be a lively stone in a spiritual house. <laughs> now, I was thinking about this. Look what I said. Uh, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable God by Jesus Christ, now we've already talked about this a little bit when we dealt with the altar and we talked about the sacrifices of our lips, right? The fruit of our lips being a sacrifice unto God in a spiritual altar and in a spiritual sense. But this takes it a step farther, brother Billy. And it, the emphasis here is around Christ. So here's the idea: when Jesus went to the altar and he offered that sacrifice. And he brought eternal redemption for us. When we believe, when we, we put our faith in Christ and we get saved, what moves in on the inside of us is the Holy Ghost of God. It makes us a lively stone in a spiritual building. And, uh, and so it's a lively, we're a lively stone in a spiritual house. And based upon the shed blood of Christ... You and I are able to offer some spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. I I can't get this preached out really the way I got it in my mind. I I can already see I'm not going to be able to get it out. But maybe you're getting it. That's what church is all about. Uh, Church is all about being a lively stone in a spiritual house. uh, And based on the shed blood of Christ, we offer spiritual sacrifices to God. That's what church is all about. If there's one verse that describes church, that's it right there. On the basis of the shed blood of Christ, we have been, let me, say it, let me see if I can say it you this way. We've been made free to worship. You and I have the freedom to worship. Somebody said, well, I'm going to shout on the credit. You don't even have to shout on the credit. You you can shout based on the payment. It's done. It's over Are you seeing what I'm saying? You and I are to be lively stones in this spiritual house. Offering up spiritual sacrifices based upon the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate altar. You and I can worship, worship the Lord in that way. I I love that verse. I don't know what God's going to do with it. I feel like it's, it's something bigger than what I was able to really deal with tonight. But as I read it last night, I said, "Man, I got—I feel like the Lord wants to put that in there, which have built up a spiritual house. And what is our job? It's uh, through this holy priesthood, it's to offer up spiritual sacrifices. You know." I almost get the idea when I read that verse about a a building that's just you know it's alive a building that's alive it's a it's a it's a uh, it's a living building spiritual house I don't know there's more in that Billy that I ain't got out just yet give me a week or two to dig some stuff out of that right there. I like it. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. Well, that's that's what. So, the altar. We've talked about the physical altar here in the church, We've talked about the altars of the Old Testament. We've talked about how you can worship the altar, pray at the altar, bring your sin to the altar. We've seen all of that, but all of that pointed toward what I dealt with tonight. That was the altar. If Jesus said, if I be lifted up, draw all men me. Aren't you glad for the altar of salvation at the cross, the altar of redemption at the cross, and the altar that makes us able to worship, which was the cross. If there wasn't the cross, there wasn't no shed blood, there'd be no basis for us to worship and be lively stones in a spiritual house. Well, I say thank God. I say thank God. I can worship the Lord, and uh, I can worship based on being made acceptable in the Lord Jesus let 's stand our feet. Father, thank you, Lord, for this great opportunity to preach. Good liberty, Lord, good attention, you people. I just pray God that you'd help us, Lord, to be lively stones in a spiritual house offer up offer up spiritual sacrifices to you. As church, as a church, I pray, Lord, that's what you'd help us to be. Do that now, as only you can. We'll thank you and praise you for all that's done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.